Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Shiroki, and today we are going to look at faith. Again, this is going to be faith part two. Um, obviously, faith is a huge element of our walk with God, um, our belief, our um, hope for the future. So, it's a topic that we're going to touch on. I can't even say how many times because it's worthy of, if nothing else, constantly reminding ourselves of how important faith is. So I know um, for me, this is a topic that's just, again, a bedrock, essential part of our belief and our walk with God and our salvation. So um there are just so many <laughs> passages or so many stories or so many quotes. Jesus spoke about faith, Paul, throughout the New Testament, um, throughout the Old Testament. So faith, again, is just a huge element to our Christian walk. And this is part two. We're going to call this Hall of Faith. Right. So like I said, we are going to look at um, the Hall of Faith, as called by some, coined sort of by one of my favorite pastors, again, Greg Laurie. And um, we are going to read Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go through the entire chapter, and then we're going to look at some of the notes in my Bible. And I'll also comment. Again, that's the Spirit-Filled Life New King James Version Bible that I use. Um, and then we are going to just look at, um, you know, I'll provide some commentary and we'll go from there. I'm actually going to start with reading the note on Hebrews 11.1. 1. And the uh, commentator notes, the author supports his encouragement to steadfast faith by reviewing the triumphant experiences of Hebrew heroes. First, he provides not a definition, but a description of how faith works. Faith is established conviction concerning things unseen and settled expectation of future reward. The Greek word translated substance literally means a standing under and was used in the technical sense of title deed. The root idea is that of standing under the claim to the property to support its validity. Thus, faith is the title deed of things hoped for. Throughout the chapter, the writer emphasizes that assurance rests on God's promises. All right, so again, we're going to read through the entire chapter, uh, Hebrews 11, and then we'll bounce around into the notes and some of the um, points that are made throughout this uh, commentary. So here we go. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. So, 
we're going to stop there and just look at the notes. So on, again, chapter 11, verse 2 of Hebrews, um, it says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Then it notes down here, the elders were the Old Testament saints, many of whom are mentioned in this chapter. They obtained a good report, not because of achievements, personal holiness, or passive acceptance of divine promises, but by an active certitude expressed in obedience, persistence, and sacrifice. You know, it's, there's also a, a verse that says faith without works is dead. And that's exactly, it, it, that's not saying works in the sense of working to produce faith or working to a greater salvation. That has nothing to do with it, like some off theologies will teach you or legalistic systems will teach you. All that is saying is if you truly have faith and God puts something in your heart, you will take action on that faith. And that's between you and God and whatever he places in your heart, whatever your path is in life, God will reveal that to you. He will put that in your heart. He'll inspire you. He'll amplify and let your gifts surface so that you understand what your purpose is in this life to serve God with. And um, again, that's where that action comes in. So, and then we're going to look here at the note for um, verse three, our belief concerning God's creative act exemplifies the evidence of things not seen. Again, that's one of the most attacked um Christian beliefs these days, and it's looked at as foolishness to say that the, God created the earth because people, you know, they teach evolution in millions of years, blah, 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 blah. Absolutely no evidence for any of it. No real true scientific evidence. There's, I, I divide science at this point into two, two little um, sects, if you want. There is the um, observable science, which is very valid, you know, scientific method, you know, that's, you know, pretty much what science was founded on in a very healthy sort of manner in order to, you know, just learn and gain uh, an understanding of what's around us. And then there's theoretical science in which many of these theories, many of these um, beliefs, and now can almost be coupled and grouped into something called the religion of science. That's where all this falls into evolution, um, you know, uh, the Big Bang Theory, um, you know, man's trying to create everything they can to disqualify the basically the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And then if they try to rip that foundation out of basically our belief system, that's where most beliefs will start to crumble because if you can't stand on the fact that God created the earth and everything in it, then how do you stand on anything else? Frankly, um, your foundation is very uh, shifty. And I believe that's actually that um, has led to a lot of what we see in, quote unquote, the church these days and the falling away of many people and their beliefs and their falling into believing and buying into man-made doctrine and ideologies and theologies over what's in the word of God, because they think that this theoretical religion of science is actually fact, when if you really study all of it, it's all theoretical. It's not, there's no solid evidence for a lot of what they say. I mean, 
I, I, we will get into that. Um, my pastor does a great two part series on the book of Genesis on creation versus evolution. And it's all fact based. Um, if you actually use your head and look into a lot of what these theories say, you will see how, um, broken they are and how there's no evidence for them. Um, but it's scary how widely accepted they are. Um, but that's the system that man creates is academia. You know, these higher elitist people, they call them scholars. They'll put letters after their name. You know, they'll have half the alphabet after their name yet. You know, again, um, people just assume that these things are correct because other people say it. They rarely do their own homework and use their own head, you know, that God gave us and use their own intellect and logic. I challenge you to do that, actually. I really do. I, I challenge you to look into those things for yourself and draw your own conclusions. You know, I'll present what I present. People can present what they present, but we're all logical, intelligent human beings. So I challenge you to look into some of that stuff and tell me you can really base that these beliefs and theories are factual because you'll see that, again, it's a theory. There's theoretical science and then there's observable real science. And that's how I break them up. And again, this basically that's what verse three is saying. Again, our belief concerning God's creative act exemplifies the evidence of things not seen. So we'll move on here again at chapter four, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So looking at the notes on verse four about Abel and Cain, my uh, spirit-filled life, New King James Version Bible says, Abel's act of worship still testifies to the fact that a true worshiper must come in faith, presenting the sacrifice required by God. We'll look at the story of Cain and Abel in a little more depth, but basically, you know, um, Cain killed Abel because Abel obeyed God. Cain did not, and Cain got jealous and killed Abel. I mean, it was uh, the first act of murder recorded in the Bible, and um, it was an act of jealousy, rage, and again, it was Abel's faith that still to this day, <laughs> we speak about that very story and that very recorded part of history um, in our our man-made history. So we'll get into now the notes on verse five about Enoch. Enoch's translation to heaven without physical death took place because he pleased God by taking him at his word 
and living his life accordingly. Um, and then chapter, uh, verse 6, nothing so pleases God as a steadfast faith in all that he is and promises to do. And then finally, finishing up on uh, verse 7, referencing Noah. Noah's obedience in building the ark far inland was physical evidence of his trust in God's word. So when Noah, we're going to look at all those stories eventually, but when Noah was building the ark, I mean, he it took him years to build that thing. And people were mocking him. They were, you know, uh, it had never rained on earth before that. So the thought of rain and that it was actually a combination too. the, the great flood the, and this, this is <laughs> observable science has proven this, that not only did it rain, but there were also, there's also a large reserves of water underneath the crust of the earth that were actually broken and sprung up. So it was a dual effect of flooding from both the bottom and the, uh, the bottom of the earth, as well as falling from the heavens, the rain. So if you've ever seen a house flooded or um, I work in uh, an industry in which I see a lot of catastrophe and I have seen um, buildings that have had both flooding um, from the ground and the winds were so great that they caused holes to rip and have the water penetrate from the roof as well. If you've ever seen a building like that, it, it just, just depleted. It's ruined. You have to completely pretty much demo the building and rebuild it for the most part, especially if it's in a hurricane zone. And um, that is basically a small picture of what happened globally. We had, again, springs from below the Earth's crust actually broke and came up. And I believe at that time they could have separated the continents. Who knows? I mean, we'll know someday in hindsight if we, you know, we ever have a picture in heaven of kind of the, the playbook. If we can ever look back at some of the events, that would be pretty amazing just to thought of that. Um, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows if we'll even care about that stuff once we get to heaven, frankly, because I know once we get into the presence of the almighty God, <laughs> I think a lot of our questions are going to be instantly answered. I think a lot of our quote unquote questions, concerns, all that stuff about what's going on in this earth right now. I really think just the descriptions of God, the father and, and the son, the way the angels sing, holy, 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 the way there's so much beauty in, in, in just being in the presence of, I mean, I know when I just had the presence of God, when I'm just worshiping the Lord and when I'm in church or when I'm with a group of people and there's, you know, where two or more are gathered, um, the Lord will show up. And I've experienced that many times and just having that presence physically, I can't fathom being in that different spiritual realm and actually being in the presence of true, true physical or spiritual presence of God. It's quite an amazing thought. So let's move on here. Hebrews 11, we'll pick up at um, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, 
and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him, that being God, faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So that incredible account right there of um, Abraham and Sarah's faith in what God had promised them, basically to give them a child well into their later years, which, you know, it would be like basically right now, God promising an 80 year old woman that she's going to have a child. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I laugh just thinking about that and saying those words because it just sounds ridiculous, frankly. But that faith in God and the only true faith there is in this life where you truly can rest in is the fact that God said it and they believed it and they waited on that promise. So it's incredible, absolutely incredible faith. And the uh, the notes down here from between verses 8 to 12 again. So from 8 to 10, the Bible notes, Abraham demonstrated his faith by obedience in leaving his home in Ur and journeying to unknown lands and living long years in the promised land as a foreigner in temporary quarters and by patiently awaiting his permanent abode. And then verse 11, where it talks about Sarah. Sarah gave birth to Isaac when she was 90 years old of age because she looked away from her physical inability and judged God faithful to keep his word. And then finally, that last uh, verse there, 12, Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. Again, you know, years are years. Um, the calendar we operate on, I believe, is the same calendar they operated on. So we're very close to it. And um, it, again, uh, that God telling a 190-year-old couple that they're going to bear a child is almost laughable, but it's only with the true and living God and the faith that he instills in us and the way he proves himself over and over that we can truly rely on that and say, Lord, if you said it, I'll wait for it to happen. And whatever action has to be taken on my part, please show me the way. And it's that simple. That's it. That's faith right there. So next we'll move on. Hebrews, we're going to look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So looking at the note there real fast for that was um, verses 13 to 16 in Hebrews 11. My uh, Bible notes, although they received only a partial fulfillment of what God had promised, these elders maintained their faith that God would do what he said. 
because of their close relationship with God, they could not feel at home in earthly surroundings. They looked for something better, and because of their longings, God gladly acknowledged them as his own people. And that in verse 13 there, it ends up and says, they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And that's what we are. We, God's people, we are set apart. We are to be called apart. We are not to be of this world. We are pilgrims. We are strangers to this world. Again, just going back to what I said a few minutes ago about, you know, evolution and the Big Bang and all the garbage that, you know, theoretical science wants to shove down people's throats and teach our children and, you know, brainwash the masses with, um, you know, again, it's basically denying God. And they're, they're, look, the reason people don't want God to exist is because they don't want personal accountability in life. The minute they can say God doesn't exist and this very atheistic movement. And, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of Wiccan. There's a lot of Satan worshipers that are out in the open these days. Church of Satan, yada, yada, yada. Well, guess what? To acknowledge. And, and I know, look, the half of the Church of Satan, if people aren't aware of this, I mean, it's a joke to half those people. I mean, hey, they don't actually worship Satan. They, they just look at Satan as this. Um, negative um, name or made up character, this mythological character that people just blame bad things on, you know, but there are definitely sects of that church also that do take Satan for being a literal being and do literally worship him. And they, um, they do um, acknowledge that side of the good or the evil of the spiritual realm, if you will, but they still want to deny the existence of God or the goodness of God, or they have an actual totally flipped um, interpretation of the whole story of the Garden of Eden. And they believe that Satan, the serpent, was actually helping mankind when he provided that knowledge of good and evil. So um, again, I, I have a background on this because I just simply, when I um, was out, you know, in the wilderness, I used to listen to a I listen to a lot of different um, people speak about these things very candidly, and uh, it helps to know your enemy. So these people, although they are not, those people physically are not my enemy, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight behind, you know, the principalities and powers that are unseen, but there are agents in this world that are physical human beings that are fighting for that you know, dark side. And it's important to recognize that. And that's why you have to pray and pray against it. And that's why I always say spiritual warfare is essential because there's an active battle going on 24 seven. And it's not just personal, it's a global, it's a spiritual thing that's going on. And we are called to actively engage in that battle. And the only way to do that is amazingly, again, to rest in Christ and to just pray and open your mouth and let God do the rest and let the Holy Spirit work. We are agents of the Lord. We are pilgrims. We are strangers of this world. And as such, we should be identified as such. And if you know people that call themselves Christians that you couldn't tell them from Adam or tell them from, you know, the next guy in the bar, then guess what? Um, yeah, they might call themselves something, but, you know, be very cautious of people who just, I'll be, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I just told the story last night. I, uh, I was, uh, speaking to some people, um, you know, a little while back and when they told me they were Christians, I was talking to them about the church and stuff. And then they revealed, Oh yeah, I go to this church. I'm a Christian. And I was shocked to hear that they called themselves Christians because their lives 
would not indicate that in the, I would never have known that unless I had that conversation. So my point isn't to point fingers or to down talk people necessarily or a church or anything like that. But I will say Christianity is not a title. It is an active, open worship of God all the time. You're a living sacrifice. There should be something different about you. And if you're scared to talk about God, I even question, do you have any faith? Really? Do you have any faith to even share the goodness of God? Have you experienced that goodness of God? Because if not, again, salvation is available to anybody who wants it. But don't play church. Don't play religion. <laughs> Trust me, that's going to get you nowhere when it comes to the long term and when it comes to the eternal. Um, this I always, you know, this isn't religion. This is relationship and relationships are personal. They're intimate. And that's how God is. God is personal, intimate. He sent his son, his first fruits, the best of the best to be our living sacrifice. So um, that's why what Jesus did was so powerful and so life changing. And that's why when people meet the Lord and their lives are just flipped upside down and people are like, what is up with you? There's a reason for that. And, you know, there's we're going to go through the um, parable that Jesus taught about the um, sower in the field, about how seed, when it's sown, sometimes takes to the ground, is sometimes stolen by the birds of the air, and then sometimes lands and is rooted in the ground and then is actually able to spring up and grow fruit. Um, there's some really cool background to that. I believe God has shown me at a point and I definitely look forward. I'm going to dig into that pretty soon. I might do that next on my next uh, episode, but we'll see. All right. So we're going to get into, again, Hebrews will be at um, chapter 11 going at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Um, quickly there, just to give you a little background there, the, again, this is talking about Abram, Abraham, and Isaac was that promised child that Sarah had at that old age. <laughs> and God at a point, um, said, commanded Abraham to take him up and to offer him up as a sacrifice. And that test of faith, I can't say, I don't know how many of us would pass that test, but again, knowing the goodness and the faithfulness of God, <laughs> Abraham believed that even if he was to carry through with the actual sacrifice, that God would raise him up from the dead and proceed with his plans through Isaac, which 
I mean, you talk about faith. I mean, that that's just incredible. As I look back at those times, you know, I look at mankind and how we've, you know, um, evolved as human beings, uh, technologically, especially, and, you know, the more things that we cram into the world and the more connected we become and the more distracted we become, the further I think people get away from God and from the foundations of the earth. And back in Abraham's time, it just seems like it was, um, Hey, God says it, he's going to do it. You know, I mean, we can have that faith and I, I really do have that faith, but, um, it's in this world and day and age, it just seems harder to have that type of faith than back then when frankly, you didn't have all the distractions. You just had that real intimacy and, I don't know if I'm coming across the right way with that, but I, I think, again, the more distractions we have in our lives, the harder it is sometimes to believe things that God may promise us that, again, we would only take faith to really believe because when it comes to the unseen, we're like, that's impossible. But again, with God, all things and anything is possible. And that's great faith, you know, displayed by Abraham right there. And then Isaac. Jacob and Joseph, you see how through Abraham's faith, his obedience, God blessed him. And then Isaac, Jacob and Joseph, and then the whole nation of Israel. I mean, it's, and then eventually coming to bring, you know, Jesus through that entire line and then having Jesus open up salvation to the entire world. I mean, that's the goodness and the love and the care of God. So all right, we're going to pick up here. We're almost done. Well, Hebrews 11, chapter, or excuse me, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So we're going to look at the notes here. Um, so going to the notes on... We'll pick up at the notes on verse 23. The story of Moses' faith begins with the faith of his parents. Only faith could influence such a great choice, which looked far beyond the present scene. Then it says here, 1127. Probably refers to the night of the Exodus. Only a godly faith can see the invisible. Um... And then we'll get into verse 30. And then we're going to wrap up going through verse 40. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So we'll finish up with the notes here, just from uh, verses 30 to 40. Basically, um, Rahab's faith was based on the record of God's mighty deeds and promises to Israel. And then uh, the note on verse 32, a detailed study of the lives of these mentioned shows the outstanding place that faith had in the experience and service of each. Personal shortcomings were victoriously overcome as they looked away from themselves to the greatness of God. And that's what it's really all about. If we look at ourselves, we depend on ourselves, we think we're doing anything in life. We'll continue to stumble, fall, and fail every time. But the minute you stop wasting your time and look to the goodness of God and all the clarity and all the focus starts to make sense, then that is when you have faith and you walk in faith. So finishing up here with the notes on verses 35 to 38. The fact that others were tortured and suffered in various other ways indicates that faith does not provide an automatic exemption from hardships, trials, or tragedy. Furthermore, the experience of such difficulties does not mean that the people undergoing them possess less faith than those who are not afflicted. The same faith that enables some to escape trouble enables others to endure it. The same faith that delivers some from death enables others to die victoriously. Faith is not a bridge over troubled waters, but is a pathway through them. Discerning the pathway and the source of any hardships encountered 
requires aggressive prayer and worship. Through these means, God's perspective becomes focused. So that's looking back and referring to, again, faith is, you know, there's a, there's a duality to it, if you will. The very same faith that allows people to escape trouble also allows them to endure the trouble. The very faith that allows some to escape death enables some to die victoriously. So it's, again, regardless of your life circumstances, it's all about having the faith that God will ultimately bring you to the glory in which he has called you to. And it's through our prayer and worship that our faith is strengthened and God undergirds us regardless of any of the circumstances in life, either positive or negative. That goes back to rejoicing in all circumstances and all things because you can't let the variables and the ups and downs of life dictate how you respond to God or to faith. Remember, that constant is the ultimate um variable in life that cannot be shifted. So finishing up here with the notes on verses 39 and 40 at the end of chapter 11 in Hebrews, in spite of the good testimony resulting from their faith, the Old Testament saints did not receive the promise of the blessings of the new covenant brought by Christ. Made perfect, the body of Christ will be complete with saints from both Old Testament and New Testament times. So quickly, just to finish and wrap that up, I mean, all of these people mentioned in this section, this hall of faith, if you will, they did not, they had faith that one day the Messiah was coming. We have the luxury of knowing who Jesus was, what he did, looking back and studying his life listening to the very words he spoke, the teachings that he provided us in God's word through the gospels. And ultimately, if you really look at the Bible, it's again, from beginning in Genesis to the end, which is called Revelation, but it's actually the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. The whole entire Bible is completely focused on that very issue. Who is Jesus Christ? The Old Testament alludes to his coming through many different stories, through many different experiences, and God's divinity just had his ultimate purpose always interwoven within every section of the Old Testament. And then the New Testament is obviously the New Covenant, which we live under now. And again, it's a blessing to have the hindsight and the knowledge of who Jesus was. So it's incredible, but if you have ears to hear, if your heart is open and you respond to that message, then it's by faith you will be saved through the confession of your tongue and belief in your heart. So that wraps up Faith Part 2. God bless. Have a great day.